0: Be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 18 to 25. Um, It's on the screen behind me as I read it. 1 Corinthians 1, 18 to 25 says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent, I will frustrate. Where is the wise person? Where is the teacher of the law? Where is the philosopher of this age? Has God not made them foolish? Made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since the wisdom of God, um, since in the wisdom of God, the word through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. Jews demanded signs and Greeks looked for wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and a foolishness to Gentiles. But to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength.
1: Thanks, Elizabeth. Good morning, everyone, again. Such a good morning to be at church, and such a good time to remember about the power of God at work, that he's truly alive. I'm going to pray now and so that when we hear God's word, we can understand that he will speak to us through it. So please join me. Dear Father God, thank you for our opportunity to be here, to sit under your word. And we do pray that, uh, as we've been talking about, that you are alive and active, you have the power to save. Lord, help us to see that this morning. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What makes a good church? So what should a church be known for? See, there was one church this week that copped a lot of press, was in uh, in the news, because the police... It was mentioned in a police report. The police had investigated uh, the shootings that happened. Two policemen got shot outside Toowoomba as well as the neighbour, and the police had done their investigation, and they come back to, to answer why. And they, the, the news story come out that these guys were a part of a, a church group, a religious group, uh, and they're calling it church, and the, the people who come out of it, the first terrorist, uh, Christian terrorist attack in Australia christian terrorism uh that's coming out of this and it's mainly because of a teaching that they uh, focused on on end times on end times what they call a dispensational or premillennial view of end times we're not going to go into any of that this morning but it's interesting to know that this is what a church focused on this was their main teaching and this is what they prioritized now they're known everywhere they're an end times church and it doesn't look good how it come out But it helps for us to think through, well, what would we be known for? South side, on the south side of Brisbane, 2023, what should we be focusing on? What is our thing that we want to do well and be known for? See, uh, in this Corinthian church, so it's a letter written to the Corinthian church, that we find in the New Testament, the church in Corinth, the receiving church, they were all unified around one thing. They didn't want church to be bad or negative. They didn't want people to look down on them. They wanted to be impressive. That's what they were unified around. But where there was disunity was, what does an impressive church look like? What does a church look like that you want to be involved in? Because the world loves impressive and let's attract them. How do we do that? They're asking a lot of questions, they're doing a lot of things that Paul is writing them to to straighten out and this is good for us to hear because we are a young church, we are still going, hey we're putting our footprint here on the south side of Brisbane, what are we to be known for? What are we going to focus on? So there's lots of stuff for us as a church to learn from this section, this passage of the Bible. So we're going to walk through this bit and glean from it some lessons. The first thing paul says is you got is it the messenger or the message that you're on about so he starts this is starting a little bit earlier than our bible reading where he says to you i appeal to you brothers and sisters in the name of our lord jesus christ that all of you agree with one another in what you say uh, in what you say and that there be no divisions among you but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought my brothers and sisters, someone from Chloe's house, or some from Chloe's house, have informed me that there are quarrels among you. What I mean is this, one of you says, I follow Paul. Another, I follow Polus." Another, I follow Cephas. And still another, I follow Christ. What is going on there? This church is divided following the messages, you might say, following the church leaders or the preachers. Now we've got to understand, this is, the setting here is first century, it's Roman Empire, but Corinth is very Greek. And what did the Greeks love in the first century? Well, you see it in every city, the big amphitheatre. This is actually the amphitheatre in Corinth that still stands today. And you can kind of see what emphasis they had on this uh, entertainment and this impressive nature. So it was a culture. People would come in and out of town, but they would come in as, on speaking gigs So they would come and say, Come and hear this guy speak. You know, he's great. He's a philosopher. He's wise. He's got Greek learning. Let's hear him speak. Some of them would uh, even come. They'd book the stadium out for two nights and they said, Come and hear him speak on a particular uh, theme. It could be like, Is there life after death? And you've got to remember, there's no internet, there's no TV. What's entertainment in those days? This is entertainment. So they come in here, the guy speaks, and he's there to tell you, oh, there is no life after death. He would speak for ages and people go, wow, this guy's convincing us. There's no life after death. What are we concerned about? But he says, come back tomorrow night. I'm here tomorrow night. Of course, he's such a good speaker. You want to come back again. And he would speak on the exact opposite thing. There is life after death. And he would dispute his argument the day. He's so clever that people just want to see him just go through his his speech and how clever he is it's not necessarily about the message but people would get followings like disciples that I want to hear this guy I'll, I'll go out of my way to hear him so people admired great public speakers they followed them so when the church has their own they've sort of brought that culture into church and they look at their their preaching roster and they go, well, wow, we've got Paul on this week because Paul was often popping in and out of Corinth. He just didn't come once and disappear. He's popping in and out. Paul, well, this other guy, Apollos, we've got this guy, Cephas. We we're also talking about Jesus. Now, uh, who's your favourite? Who are you going to see? So it's helpful a little bit of background. So the Apostle Paul... Uh, He is the missionary guy who brought the message of Jesus to Corinth. So a lot of these people only heard about Jesus for the first time through the Apostle Paul. He came, he planted the church, people believed, people got baptised by Paul. Paul's my man, if he's in town I want to pre- I want to hear him. Apollos, who's this Apollos guy? Well he's mentioned in Acts, this is how Apollos is described. A Jew named Apollos, a native of Alexandra, Alexandria, that's a very, if you're a uh, Greek, that's very high class, very scholarly, very learned. He came to Ephesus, uh, he was a learned man and uh with a thorough knowledge of the scriptures and he had been instructed by the way of the Lord and he spoke with great fervor and taught about Jesus accurately he sounds like a great preacher very smart very clever very engaging he knows all the skills about you know speaking a message but he also knows a lot about Jesus he's a guy that you want to see I'll follow him anywhere if he's in in uh, the city hall you want to go and hear him speak Cephas What's the deal with Cephas? Cephas is actually the Apostle Peter. Peter uh, had a couple of names. This is a verse that kind of explains it. Jesus looks at, his original name was Simon, son of John. Jesus says, you'll be called Cephas, when translated is Peter. So Cephas and Peter both mean rock. Jesus says, I'm going to call you rock because you're solid. But in the Aramaic, it's rock is Cephas. In the Greek, it's Peter. So depending which part of the New Testament you're reading, what name they give him. The Apostle Paul likes calling him Cephas. But can you imagine if the Apostle Peter is coming into your church? Here's a guy who spent the whole time with Jesus, pretty much Jesus picked him up at the start of his ministry a whole three years. He saw miracles, he saw people being healed, people rising from the dead because of Jesus. He saw Jesus, he was there when Jesus was on trial and being beaten up he saw that he saw Jesus being on the cross he was one of the first at the tomb the empty tomb where Jesus had risen from the dead he was in the room when Jesus walked in that uh, the resurrected Jesus and had something to eat and he says trust me believe in me I'm not a ghost Uh, he was there for all those times when Peter comes to your church he can say I can tell you about Jesus because I was there here's a guy you want to see and a guy you want to follow so all these guys are like, man, I want to, they're aligning themselves. Who's your favorite? Who you want to listen to? But then also Jesus is mentioned in this in this list as well. The, he is the Christ who died for their sins and rose again. He's the message. It sounds like some people go, I follow Jesus because that's what it's all about. They get it. But the other people go, no, no, I like the messenger better. Like I'll follow them more than the message and this creates a wrong alliance that's going on Paul wants to distance himself He says I want no part of this this is what Paul says to them is Christ divided was Paul crucified for you like was I crucified for you were you baptized in the name of Paul then he goes on I thank God that I did not baptize any of you except Crispus and Gaius so no one can say that you are baptized in my name yes also I baptised the household of Stephanus. Beyond that, I don't remember if I baptised anyone else. For Christ did not send me to baptise, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom and and eloquence, there's an example of that. Not with wisdom and eloquence, lest the cross be emptied of its power. It's almost saying, it's about Jesus. He's the one who died for you. He's the one you need to be baptised in the name of Jesus, not me. But the more attention you give to the messenger, the less attention there is on the cross. It's actually emptying the cross of its power, because the cross has power to save. So when Jesus goes to, to die for our sins, that's where it all happens. That's what changes people. Now what does that mean? It's a message for all churches everywhere, for all time, they should be Sticking to the message of the cross, because that has the power to change and transform and give life. When it comes about, becomes about something else, that's a problem. You're actually dr- diminishing the power of God by distracting from the cross. Now, at side here, the simplest way to explain this, we want you to have a wow factor. We want you to walk out of this building and go, wow i am so amazed at the power of jesus i am so amazed what jesus did for me it's why don't you go wow about jesus when you leave here every sunday morning now for a preacher then if you're going out of the walking out of the building going wow that's isn't he a great preacher the preacher hasn't done a very good job because if it's all about the preacher he's actually taken the attraction taken the power from the cross itself I also think preachers not only can wow people to take the distraction, also preachers can do the opposite wow in that you can be walking out of the church and go, wow, that was a terrible preacher. And also having the same effect, right, that you're taking the attention. You did not see the power of the cross because it was such a poor job. But you can also see that with all we do at church. Our musos do a great job. But if you're walking out of the building this morning and going, wow, what a great band... They've failed. It's not about the band. It's about pointing to Jesus. If you went out the door saying, wow, that was a great worship. I really drew near to God through that music. Music does something in us that draws us near to Jesus. That's what they want. Now, also, if music is really bad, you can go, wow, that music was terrible. Again, drawing away. So we live in this tension of we want to do well up the front, to communicate Jesus well. But it's never about us. It should never be about us. It's always a wow about Jesus, the power of Jesus, the life of Jesus. So if what Paul's saying, if the power is in preaching the cross of Christ, what Jesus has done, why aren't we seeing people lining up on on the streets to come in, to hear the message, to go the wow, to be baptised, to be saved? Why isn't that happening? Paul's a realist he knows how it works he goes on to explain that it's not about the message messenger it's about the message but he also talks about the wisdom of God the wisdom of the world or wisdom of God and he goes on to explain this message of the cross he says for the message of the cross is foolishness for those who are perishing But to us are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I'll destroy the wisdom of the wise, the intelligent of the intelligent, I will frustrate. What he's saying is, the gospel, let's face it, it's not clever and impressive in the world's eyes. They're not wowed by it. He knows many people who think he's foolish. Paul writes about them. But God was never to impress people by his cleverness that way. Just look at Jesus on the cross. I mean, if you want to gather an an army or a following, you want to show how impressive you are. But Jesus, in weakness, was hanging on a cross. It was the same then as the same today. It looks foolish. There's actually a bit of um, graffiti that was found from the second century, about 100 years after this. And it, it comes up like this. Uh, a man worshipping a cross but the thing on the cross looks like a man with a donkey's head on it so and the the caption underneath translate Alexandrinus worshipping his god it sounds like they're 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 mocking their workmate. how foolish is he he's worshipping this this christ on a cross that's a donkey like it, it's just foolish who would do that it doesn't make sense it's foolish in the world's eyes but then you get the question of truth well why do we follow what's truth is it the world's wisdom that they know the truth or is it god's wisdom that he's showing us the truth because paul goes on where is the wise person where is the teacher of the law where is the philosopher of this age Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? See, they're trying to work out what is the world about? Is there a God? What's he like? There's lots of phrases like, I think God is like. I think God is like. The wise person says it. The religious guy says it. The philosopher says it. Well, if there is a God, I think he's like this. But then he goes on, for since the wisdom of God, uh, but since in the wisdom of God, uh, the world through its wisdom did not know him. God was pleased through the foolishness of what was preached to save those who believe. It doesn't make sense in the world that you would follow a saviour that's died on a cross. It's foolish. But God says, I have revealed myself. You know what God is like because he's shown you by sending his son. We see God through his son, Jesus. This is how you know him. But it sounds so foolish, unimpressive. Unimpressive. This is what it means when he says Jews demanded signs. And we saw that when the Jews were always questioning Jesus. Show us a sign. Greeks look for wisdom because they love the, the articulate speaker. But we preach Christ crucified, which is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. It's not impressive The Jews and Greeks will stumble on that because they want an impressive person to follow. But he says it's not impressive. It's unimpressive by nature. But it is the power of God. It's that language. The power of God is through Jesus. And it just doesn't make sense in the world's eyes. So he finishes this bit by saying, for the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. excuse me but we see we can see that ourselves right I've heard people uh, comedians mock the gospel and it is kind of funny I've got to admit you start off with if you start reading the gospel of Matthew starts off with this genealogy and you want uh, your messiah you want your king who you are going to give up your life for you want him to be impressive you want him to have the right line he is a somebody even when he's born but in that that family tree we see a prostitute Rahab the prostitute we see King David oh King David was great but yet he had affairs he killed the husbands He, he did all sorts of crazy things Solomon's in there too but Solomon had like a thousand wives I mean These guys, really? These are Jesus' line? Why would you do that? It's not impressive. It reads like a story then, if you go through the book of Matthew, of these unbelievable miracles. Young virgin girl becoming pregnant. I mean, what? And then all these miracles. He's healing people. He's raising the dead. All these things. But then it ends with the story of a weak, beaten up, almost naked man hanging on a cross unimpressive it's foolish it's foolish for a story and it shouldn't surprise us when we start talking about we're a christian that people look down on you and think oh you're you're one of those foolish people you don't think about stuff it shouldn't surprise us I have a friend who goes to an Anglican church, and it's a liberal Anglican church. Doesn't mean he's not Labour, he's liberal, not politics. Uh, liberal churches mean they don't believe the Bible is literal, you might say. So, or the miracles. Well, they probably didn't happen. Probably just good life hack stories. And we we're talking about church, uh, and he has been here at a time, and he sees lots of young people and lots of kids, and he says in their church... Uh, They've, they haven't grown for years, they haven't seen somebody become a Christian, they haven't baptised anybody for years and they've got no young families. And he says to me, what's the trick with getting the young families in? At the time I was just in shock because he said to me, you're an evangelical aren't you? Evangelical means we do believe the Bible, we do believe the cross, we do believe Jesus really rose from the dead. But what they've got is, if you don't believe the miracles, if you don't believe Jesus is truly the Son of God, all you've got is a whole lot of feel-good stories with no power. You've stripped the power off the cross and their church is dying and they're wondering why. But yet when you engage them, you go, why don't you believe in the Bible? They will defend their position. Oh, you can't believe that. Oh, that's not right. We know better these days because we've got science and all that sort of stuff. So they give up on it. Their church is dying. They've stripped the power of the cross. They think they're smarter than what God has done in revealing himself in the Bible. It's a common story. 2,000 years ago, today. Here we go. Paul goes on to say, but God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. It was no mistake That god did what he did it wasn't an accident it's like oh god's saying i should have been smarter that was his plan god chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong god chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are, uh, are not to nullify the things that are so that no one may boast before him it is because of him that you are in christ who has become for us wisdom of god that is our righteousness holiness redemption therefore it is written let no one who boasts boast, uh sorry let the one who boasts boasts in the Lord See, it's only through Jesus we are made right before God it's righteousness it's only through Jesus we are we belong to God that's holiness it's only through Jesus it's not our cleverness our smartness our modern thinking it's through what Jesus has done presented to us in the Bible it's God's wisdom But paul's not saying oh it's pretty close to the world's wisdom no it's very different to the world's wisdom don't be surprised when when they reject you or the message so in saying how god deliberately did this he is revealing himself the message of the father god sending his son into the world into our world a messed up world when you read the genealogy of christ in the start of matthew it's not just a list of names it's actually here's a name yep they screwed up here's another name yep they're a failure here's another name oh they made a mess of things who's going to be the savior who's going to lead the world to a better place fail 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 until we get to the messiah in jesus being born that's the point and to show God's love for sinners sinners that don't deserve anything from God except for his anger and his wrath but God's son Jesus comes into our world lives amongst sinners with us but then says the love for you the grace poured out to you is so great that Jesus will die to take the punishment for sinners that he will die on the cross, that he will be mocked and shamed. The mocking and shaming that we deserved, he took on the cross for us. That's the power of the cross. What Jesus did has power. He took the punishment to present you righteous, to present you holy, to save us, even though we didn't deserve it. God revealing himself and his great love for you, that Jesus came to do it. That's the wisdom of God, demonstrated in no other way but as powerful as the death of his son. And see, Paul says, this is what we're seeing all the time at Corinth. I'm not just making it up. So he points to their experience. They're a young church and he goes on to say, oops, I haven't got chapter two. Actually, Glenn, can you throw up my phone? I need to read for you the first few verses of chapter two. Thanks, mate so started chapter two he finishes off saying this is what we've seen i'm not talking empty words he says and so it was with me brothers and sisters when i came to you i did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as i proclaimed to you the testimony about god so he says i'm not one of those flash speakers i didn't impress you with wise fancy talk but he goes on for i resolved to know nothing while i was with you except jesus christ and him crucified i came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. You know what it's like when you want to tell people about Jesus and the gospel. You are shaking, you are nervous. That's what Paul, the Apostle Paul can't be... No, he was shaking. He was afraid that he was going to be laughed at and rejected, like he had many times. But he goes on to say in verse 4, My message and my preaching were not without wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power... So that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. See, Paul says, I didn't have the fancy show. I know that. I didn't have the fancy words. I actually was afraid of standing up to you in front of you and telling you about Jesus. But here he's talking to the whole church. and He says, this is nothing but the power of God. This is nothing but the power of spirit. All through our passage uh, that we've read, it talks about the power of God. Uh, early on talked about the power of the uh, the power of the cross of christ says jesus is the power of god the holy spirit's power and now talking about god's power the the gospel has power it's not just empty words let me try and persuade you no it is the power to save it is the power to save and just as paul says i can testify it because i've seen it and we all see it in corinth it's actually amazing to reflect on our journey here at Southside a couple of weeks ago Kim and I celebrated 20 years since we first came to Southside as a student for the ministry I was so young then so naive but in 20 years we, we joined up with this group of people there's about uh, 10 average attendance was 10 some of those people are still with us today and we're meeting in the little old house and where's this going what's this doing uh, let's just give it a go and just pray to God that something will work now we've had very few sundays under 300 so like, wow i know you're not here for my impressive speaking i know for it's not the clever arguments i know it's not about me it can only be about the power of god the cross of christ the thing that saves us the thing that changes us the thing that gives us life and hope it's the cross of christ i still get up with nerves every sunday I get up in front of you with nerves I don't know what this means but um, it's that fear but yet confidence the cross of Christ has power we've seen it to save people we saw it this morning in the baptism people's lives are being changed they're being saved into eternity We see it through the amount of kids that are coming in and they're spending their time in kids' church learning about Jesus. I'm amazed at the depth of, not just the depth of knowledge, but understanding of God those kids have. That's the power of God in our kids' ministry. We see it when people come along to Southside and most people have some sort of story, often a story, of I've been hurt by church, I've been burnt by church, I don't know whether I can trust church. But then over time, seeing them actually love and engage with church again, that's the power of the cross of Christ. I've seen it over the years when people have been on their deathbed, facing death, square on, and they say, bring it on, I'm not afraid of death, Jesus is taking me home. It's the power of the cross. I see it in the courage of our congregation members faced in some really hard trials of life and I kind of wonder, I don't know how you keep going. I don't know how you stay so strong. It's the power of the cross of Christ. It's Jesus has the power. It's only the power of Christ crucified that's growing his church, that is strengthening people, that he's changing lives. But there's one thing we've been very intentional about as a leadership here is that we keep Jesus central to everything we do. That's a non-negotiable in this church. We keep banging on about Jesus. We're not going to pursue minor beliefs and turn them into major beliefs like end times. We should talk about that at some point. It's important. But it's not going to be our major thing that we're consumed by. We're not going to go into trendy things that bring in culture's values into the church, like a lot of churches have done. We want to be more acceptable to them. So we'll give up the Bible's values and take up the the community's values. We stick to the Bible's values. I want you to have that wow moment every time you leave church, that wow moment saying, wow, the message of Jesus is powerful. Jesus is powerful. And have confidence in him celebrating him it's unimpressive to many paul states that but it is the power of god to save i pray that as you leave here in a world that's going to mock you and laugh at you and reject you that you have confidence in jesus that he has the power to change people's lives you and them let me pray dear father god just thank you For actually not telling us about love in a fancy argument, but you demonstrated your love for us through Jesus coming to our world. That he could have rejected us, could have scorned and mocked us for our sinfulness, our self-centeredness, for pursuing other things but not you. But no, Jesus reached out to all sinners to say, come, follow me. He says, we are acceptable before you. Because he died on the cross dying to take our sin Lord I thank you that that has the power to change us Lord we're sorry that often we get shaky we lose confidence we may even give up the faith but Lord we thank you for your love and mercy continually reaching out to us calling us home bringing us back Lord help us to be a church that clings to the cross to the foot of the cross where we find your mercy, we find true life. Help us to be that light in our community as we pray that you'd use us to reach the 1%, 1, 1,000 people, but even more than that, Lord. Help us put a footprint on the south side of Brisbane where people will go, wow, Jesus is truly powerful. We need to worship him. Lord, we commit ourselves to you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.